You're listening to the God-Centered Mom Podcast with me, Heather McFadden. As the mom to four young boys, I know motherhood's hard, but sometimes I think I make it even harder than it needs to be. I'll worry about my needs being met or I'll spend so much energy trying to make my boys happy that I forget that if I would take my eyes off me and my eyes off my kids and keep my eyes on God, that those desires would grow strangely dim and their contentment would go up as I'm led by his spirit. I also forget that I'm surrounded by God. He is going before me in places that I'm fearful of. He is walking with me on the hard days and he's coming behind me, redeeming any mistake I made. So each week I'll interview a new guest and we'll discuss what it means to be a God-centered mom. Thanks for listening. You're listening to episode 28 of the God-Centered Mom podcast. Before I get into today's episode, I wanted to thank you all again for all your ratings and reviews on iTunes, for your notes of encouragement, your emails, your tweets. I just really appreciate it. It is nice to get feedback when you are working on something every week. So thank you. If you want to leave a rating or a review, just go to iTunes and under the name of the podcast and my name, you can see a little, it says ratings and reviews. You just click that and underneath it, you can click the number of stars, um, hopefully five stars. (laughs) And if you have anything you want to say that would help others, I've heard that it helps iTunes direct moms to the show and to be encouraged. So thank you. In today's episode, I'm interviewing my pastor's wife, Vila Tamba. She's the mom to three grown daughters, the grandmother to one adorable little granddaughter, and she is super funny, super wise. About over a year ago, she shared with me a piece of wisdom that has totally changed. I mean, that's a little strong, but I really feel like it has drastically helped my relationships. So I wanted her to come on here and share with you. So she and I are going to chat about hula hooping and what all that means. Hula hoopology, I think that's what we ended up calling it. Uh, But it's going to help you with your relationships with your kids, your kids with each other, you with your spouse, your extended family. I know you're going to be blessed. So let's get to it. Hey, y'all. Thanks for listening to the God-Centered Mom podcast. Today, I have another real-life friend to share with you. She is a wise, wise woman and another mom who is farther along the journey than I am, and I love to learn from moms who have gone before me. Uh, Today, I have Vila Tamba. She is the wife of my church's pastor, and she is going to just share some of her wisdom with us today. So welcome, Vila, to the God-Centered Mom podcast. Thanks, Heather. I'm excited to be talking to you. Well, and you have actually guest posted on the the site, right? Yes, that's yes. right. And we did like a little series. Was that, was that last summer? Has that already been? I think. I, yes, I think it was last summer. It's been a year. Yeah. So we have you back again sharing with us. And Vila, will you introduce your family to everyone listening? Sure. Um, my husband, Neil, has been my husband for 30 years. And we have three girls Cherie, Natalie, and Stephanie. Cherie is married to a wonderful young man named Jesse, and they both live in Dallas. And then Natalie um, is married to a wonderful guy named Matt, and they live in Austin, and they're both musicians in Austin. And my youngest daughter, Stephanie, um, lives here in Dallas and lives with us, and she has a wonderful daughter um, who is the 
joy of our lives. And her name is Zuri. And she's super, super cute. She is about the cutest thing ever. And yeah. as Neil says, it would be bragging if it wasn't true. <laughs> so. <laughs> oh, those round cheeks. Love them. Love them. Well, okay. So you have been a mom for a little while. What, what, what was your mom's story like before kids? What did you do prior to, to having those girls? Mm-hmm. I actually um, was on staff with Campus Crusade for Christ with my husband, Neil, um, now known as Crew. Yes. And we were on staff um, at the University of Arkansas and at Louisiana State University. And y'all are big, Louisiana, like you're from Louisiana, right? Is that true? Yes, I am from Louisiana. So um, you were sharing with me that you were down there recently. Yes, my mom had a big birthday and I was down there and I'm staying with my sister and she lives in a um, cute little condo on the bayou. And right outside of that condo, on as I walked on the boardwalk, I saw an alligator and it was it was enormous. One sister said it was only four feet. I'm telling you, it was six feet at least. <laughs> <laughs> very, very hazardous walking right by him. That did walked right up to him. Well, pretty close. Okay, so are all the stories about Louisiana like do people not have teeth and they have they talk like half French, half English? No. Well, I don't actually live my, my family doesn't actually live in the Cajun part. Okay. Um, okay. we consider ourselves cosmopolitan. <laughs> um. <laughs> I mean there's alligators, so well, yes, there is that. Okay. <laughs> There's that. So there my, are some stereotypes that are true, claims, but... My brother claims they have had more alligators in their subdivision since Hurricane Katrina because it kind of... He says that Hurricane pushed them up into the lower, you know, the the higher ground and they haven't gone back. Mm, yeah. Why would you so, move back? I mean, once you get into the suburbs, why go back? Right. Right. It's so quiet. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a steady supply of dogs and cats. <laughs> and small children. I think, I mean, yeah, I don't know what I'd do if I ran into an alligator in a suburban area. Yeah. Okay. So you, do you speak French? No? Well, actually, I studied French, but no, I don't. I don't speak it because of Louisiana. I speak it a little teensy bit because I actually studied it. Okay. And I'm realizing when you said you were with Crew or Campus Crusade, I think I'm drawn to these people. Because, like, I'll meet someone, we'll be friends for a while, and then I'll find out that they used to work with Campus Crusade. And I'm like, there you have it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was kind of raised by parents who are very, you know, Campus Crusade oriented. So, yeah. It's a pretty awesome organization. I yeah. mean, everybody, we're, they're pretty awesome people. Yeah. Did, were, did your girls ever get involved with anything? with crew? No, they didn't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I didn't either. I didn't. I just happened to be just collect them as friends. I mean, different ministers. So, okay. You, you kind of shared on the blog last year, like we were saying, some really awesome thoughts. And I know when you first mentioned it to me, I think we were outside the church and it was like midnight. I don't know. It was dark outside. It wasn't midnight probably, (laughs) but you were sharing it with me and I, it like rocked my world. I couldn't (laughs) see the world differently after it's my phrase that I use when people are getting frustrated about something. Um, and I would just love if you would share it with some of our listeners. Um, and you know, I don't know where you want to start with entering this concept, but, um, 
Where, where do you, how do you usually sell, tell people about this thought process? Well, you know, when you, when I mention hula hoops, I guess it's just so it's like everyone gets it right away because it makes so much sense Okay, because you can just see a little hula hoop around yourself and see, okay, that's, that's what I'm responsible for, not what's outside of it. So where, where did this concept come from of the hula hoops? I guess for someone listening and they have no clue what we're talking about. Sure. Where did this come from? My family and I were in a family session with this therapist. We had a, um, you know, what we like to consider our quirky teenage issues with one of our children. And she, and I'm, you know, blabbing on about something. And she said, that is not your hula hoop. She said, that is your daughter's hula hoop, not yours. Mm. And so I just kind of turned that over and over. And really it just, it, it just changed my way of thinking. Now, it doesn't mean that I always stay in my hula hoop because I certainly get out of it still. But, um, it, so I just kind of thought about what that meant to be able to stay in my hula hoop. And it's for me like trusting God that he's going to take care of what's outside of my hula hoop mm-hmm. and that I don't need to manipulate or control or anything about what someone else is doing. And I just need to focus on what he's given me to do. Mm. That's so good. That's exactly it. So everyone's got this imaginary hula hoop around them and inside that hula hoop are what would you say is inside that hoop it's um what i'm supposed to do what god's given me to do who i am what i'm responsible for um my my job this is this is whatever is inside of my hula hoop is my and what i influence and what someone else is doing and i can't even i mean to you know to take it further if i'm hula hooping if i'm spinning around, then I can't spin around if I'm meddling with someone else's hula hoop. Yours is going to fall, right? Right. Right. So, okay, let's do an example. Let's say um, uh, one of my boys is uh, having a problem at school with another kid. Mm -hmm. So as a parent my instinct is to just jump right in there and like beat the other kid up. Right. Or call that mom. I guess that's a more rational choice. That's a more (laughs) rational choice. My, my mama beer instinct would be like, take that kid by the neck and just have a talking to. But so in that case with the hula hoop, how would, how would, how should a mom handle it? Well, I think that hula hoops, you know, at first, our kids are right inside our hula hoops, right? I mean, we're we're pregnant with them or we, Mm. you know, get them, we adopt them. And and so they're kind of inside. So, but eventually our goal is to let them, you know, get them in their own hula hoop and let them grow and mature. Right. So I think with the, um, with a child, like with that instance, I guess, depending on how old the child is, you know, at some point, you know, if they're in preschool, then you, probably do need to stand up for them, you know, in some way, depending on what the, what the, the problem is. Um, but you know, as they get older, you want them to be able to handle it. And so I guess even just talking to them about, you know, gosh, how does that make, how does that make you feel when this, when you're having this problem with this person, you know, cause really you want to talk about their feelings and give them a way of, being able to talk about it safely and um and in a healthy way 
and then kind of think, maybe help them figure out what they would want to do differently. Yeah. But so I think talking with them is a good way and maybe a good gauge to see how they're doing managing their hula hoop too. So what age would you say, I mean, have you seen with your girls or maybe it's different with everyone at what age are they in their own hoop, you know, and you Mm -hmm. can kind of, you kind of step away a little bit and act more like a coach. Right. Well, for sure by the time they're in college, because then the colleges don't even tell you, they won't even talk to you. Yeah. But, um, high school, I think is kind of a, really junior high is kind of a time when they, they need to be in charge of lots of things, I think, Mm -hmm. and letting them, you know, grow up, but maybe with a little safety net. Yeah. So, um, somebody told me a great idea with, you know, how kids are always, when they go off to school, they forget something and then we're forever driving up to bring them whatever it is they forgot. Yeah. That this friend, like, gave it, put an expense account and said, okay, I'm, I'm going to put in $50 in this account. And every time you call me to have to do, to drive up to school, to bring something, I'm deducting it. Mm. So at the end of the year, you might have $50 or at the end of the year, you might be owing me money or yeah. anymore once the money's gone. So kind of just, I don't know, just kind of thinking up ways to help them learn responsibility and keeping them being responsible for their hula hoop for what goes on there because their homework is their homework. Yeah. And the early, really, you know, wouldn't it be great if we let kids do that even in elementary school because grades aren't really counting then. Yeah. You know, it doesn't, I mean, nobody gets an official transcript until they're in high school. So, yeah. Well, and that's, you know, that's kind of, I mean, I only have one doing homework right now, which next year will be the jump to two kids and they're different kind of kids. And so, um, my first is a little more independent and he's a firstborn, but I think it's kind of like setting up, like my responsibility is to set time up in our day to do the homework. Mm-hmm. So like here is our homework time and his responsibility is to stay on task and to get it done. Right. Um, but I can't like keep up on it and do it for him. And, and the teachers were really awesome in saying, you know, you have a lot of battles to fight. This doesn't need to be one of them. If they don't finish it, you let us deal with it. And I was like, great. So the teachers are on the same page. They're not – because I think one of the parents' biggest worries is, what will the teacher think if my kid comes and hasn't done their homework? They're going to think I'm a bad parent. But if you've already had a conversation with the teacher that, hey, look, I'm doing doing my part on my end and I'm making sure the child's responsible and then the child goes and it's not done – then the teacher can give the consequence there. You know, you're missing out on playtime, whatever it's going to be. So I think being on the same page with the teacher is really helpful. Yeah, that sounds great. Yeah. Um, so, okay, so that's like physical hoop stuff, like being in charge, being responsible. What would you say like emotionally? Like let's say your kid's just really angry. Like you said that they that they can't they lost something like uh, they, they they have a consequence of uh, they don't get to watch a movie or whatever it is and they're just furious. How do you stay out of their hoop emotionally? Right, that that is so hard because so and so often I I read things that say like a mom is only as happy as her unhappiest child, and I <laughs> I don't like that. No, I, I want to be able to be. I've got my own stuff. I want to be able to be happy on my own or sad on my own and have 
and let the Lord take care of my emotions instead of having them tied to, I mean, of course we're going to be affected by, but, but totally wrapped up in, I, I don't, I don't think that we have to be totally wrapped up in someone else's emotions. So for me, I, and this is hard, this, you know, this is kind of like saying, um, hindsight 2020, because when my child was really upset about something, I so want to pave the way and, mm-hmm. and make it better, make it whatever I can do. If I can do something, okay, let's watch that movie. Oh, what differences make, what consequences are. But I mean, for sure, consequences are so important and we've got to stick to them. And I did not always stick to them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and I would say, you know, the other, the other is true. So they're unhappy and you can jump in there and, and try to make them, you know, but I think I've heard, I heard someone say that it's our job as parents to make our kids happy. Wow. And, and I, and I saw someone post something on Facebook, a writer wrote, I don't believe it's my job to make my kids happy. And she got blasted. Yes, it is. It's your job. And I was like, oh no. So I think there is confusion of parents. Right. You know? So what would you say if someone said, well, it is my job to make my kids happy? Well, I, I think that they have an impossible job. I mean, sometimes our kid, you you might look out and have a great sanguine kid who's so happy and just loves being around people and life of the party. They they might be easy to make happy, or you might have somebody who's really kind of melancholy and and yeah. and not many people can make them happy. Then you're going to feel like a failure all the time. Like an Eeyore, you've got an Eeyore around. Yeah, so better just to to let them have their feelings on their own. Yeah. And, and to support them, encourage them and love them regardless of what their feelings are. Yeah. Well, and there's that, that core joy is different from happy. Contentment is different from happy. They may not be jumping around smiling all the time. Like you're saying, I think it's good to point out that there's personality differences and temperament differences. Yeah. That's very wise. Very wise. So we're talking about with our kids. What about spouses? Well, I, um, I wrote that in one of the, in the second um, blog post, I recall, because when my husband gets sad, I want to fix him. I don't want him to be sad because I'll start to feel sad too. And I had to learn to let him be sad and to not take that on myself Mm. because even though I feel for him, I, I still can be joyful. I can still have my own joy, my own source of joy. And even my circumstances can be different. Um, if he, I mean, just because he's having a struggle with someone at work or something, then I I don't have to buy into that and to feel sad about that too. So how do you support them and not jump in the hoop? Um, I guess really, okay. Like, well, for me, jumping in the hoop is trying to fix something. Okay. So like the other day, Neil was telling me about something that went on and, and how, how he felt. And he was just devastated. And I said, I, you know what I would do? No, I said, I would, if that happened to me, I would. And I started to blast off with exactly what he needed to do to fix it and change it and to say this and this. And somehow the Lord just put a muzzle on me and said, and I said, I heard myself saying, and I would feel so hurt too. Mm. I think that you must really feel really sad about that, about hearing that. And, and I was just, I was, it was a miracle that I was able to do that. But when we just focus on, 
when I focus on reflecting Neil's feelings and just encouraging him and giving him support, then it lets, it says to him, it's okay. You've got your hula hoop and it is okay. And it's okay that you're sad. It's okay that you're dealing with this and I'm here to support you and I'm not going to take it on. Well, and sometimes I think like, you know, my husband and I were having a conversation this morning about some work stuff. And I think, I mean, he thanked me. He thanked me later, but instead of me trying to fix it all, I did, I did, I listened and I reflected back and just reinforced that why he, that, that, yeah, I could see why he'd be feeling that way. And, um, I think that our husbands, you know, just like we don't want advice and sometimes we just want a listening ear and men try to come in and fix it is the classic stereotype. I think, you know, we can sometimes, you know, do that to our husbands and take away their power and, um, just that they're the man, you know, they want to be the man, they want to handle it, but sometimes they have feelings and they need us to relate to those. So that's a good word. That's a good word to be a, a wife who reflects those feelings. And then you don't feel that burden all day, that burden of, um, their emotions on top of your emotions Mm -hmm. can, can weigh, weigh you down. Okay. So how is it with adult children? Like with daughters who are now, you know, your oldest two being married and off and, it's like a whole nother hoop has entered the picture. It is. Yes. And, you know, for that, I think that um, Neil and I have really worked hard to try not to offer advice um, unless it's asked for. Mm. And that's tough. Yeah. I mean, because we think, I, I think I'm such a smart person and I know so much. <laughs> and, and I just, and, and it's their decisions. So I have to let them decide where they want to live. I have to let them decide, um, I don't know what, what kind of job they're going to take, what, if they're going to stay in the job or or get a different job. And if one of your daughters like gets in a fight with her husband and she comes over to your house, like the classic, um, is that father, the bride, the the blender scenario? Like, (laughs) do you like take their side? Do you point them back to their spouse? I mean, that's gotta be kind of tricky. You know, you're kind of excited to be back in the picture, but yet. Right, right. Yeah. Um, you know, I haven't really had that exactly. So I'll, I'll, I'll leave that one alone, but I would definitely encourage them to, let me think. One of my daughters is married to someone so much like her father that it is kind of, um, every now and then, I mean, I, I can hear some, hear things that she says and, and I can relate. And yeah. so then I really have to stay out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but mostly, you know, just to reflect, reflect back their pain and then encourage them to, to move towards their spouse and, and, and pray with them and, and to talk about it instead of getting ammunition against them. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I'm sure that they would be tempting. It would be tempting. Yeah. Well, they're, they're pretty great guys. I'm so. yes, I'm <laughs> sure. I'm sure they're awesome guys. <laughs> Well, this is good. Okay, so um, do you ever try to get in your granddaughter's hoop? Just kidding. Oh, is there any hoop issues with granddaughters? Grandchildren? You know, there is because, uh, like yesterday, I, Stephanie was giving her cheese, and I said, oh, "Don't you think that's enough cheese?" And she mm-hmm. said, I, "I," and she corrected me and said, "You know what? I can I can handle how much cheese she's going to eat." Mm, yeah. So, well, of course she can. She's done. She does a fine job and. And I don't need to be concerned about it. Yeah. 
but also I, I can, I can speak, I can say what is okay for me too. Mm. So like, if I don't want her to have her sippy cup all over the house, cause it leaks and there's milk everywhere, then I can say, okay, you know what? The sippy cup stays in the kitchen. Yeah. Or the sippy cup can go on this chair and this dining room, but not like all over the living room. So I can, so I can keep in my hula hoop and, and draw my own boundaries too. Yeah. My, that was going to be my next question. So how, like, I know people talk a lot about the boundaries book by, um, Henry Cloud. Is that his name? Um, how does this relate to that? Is it pretty similar or? Yeah, pretty similar. Um, I mean, yes. it's, a, it's a little different because I think he's talking about like um, not being walked all over a little bit. Well, and I think that can, I think that can fit in with it too. You know, if, if someone's encroaching on your hula hoop, then that you, I can say, no, that, no, I'm not really free to do that right now. Yeah. That, that's, that's not, you know, that's outside of my hula hoop and, and, but I, I don't usually tell someone to stay in their hula hoop as it relates to me. I yeah, that's what I, yeah, yeah. It's a different but, lingo, right? Like you can say it when you're on the offensive, like that's their hoop. I need to stay in mine. Right. But on the defensive, it feels a little well, harder. Well, be, partly because it feels like that's outside of my hula hoop. To, you know, I can just, it's not that I have to take it when someone's intruding in mine but that I can just, I can say no, but I don't have to push them back in their own because they can get out of their, they can bounce all around their hula hoop. I mean, all around the world. And that's kind of not my business either. Yeah. So I'm sure there's the people out there that then they hear that and they're like, oh, so relative truth, whatever's good for them is good for them and their hoop and whatever's good for you. No, 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 no. It's not good for, it's, it's not relative truth. It's just that I'm, um, my freedom in Christ only allows me to really to, to keep myself in line with God and not to tell someone else to get in, uh, you know, unless they ask, I, I just don't know that it's my, my freedom to, to correct them all the time. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, if they're if they're in a discipleship position and they have requested oh, your, sure. your leadership, that's a different thing from an acquaintance or, you know, a one-off thing. Or, oh, like in the case of your daughter, you, you know, if she asks you, hey, mom, do you think this is too much cheese for me to give Zuri? <laughs> but, you know, and that goes back right, to, right, to you right. guys, you know, with your married children, you give advice when asked. Right. Um, I think, you know, we're kind of talking about two different things when you're talking about relative truth or absolute truth. That's kind of just core beliefs. But in this, we're talking about behavior and feelings um, as it relates to our acting out, right? You know, the hoops are kind of more like, how am I behaving and how am I interacting with other people um, in my day-to-day? Right. Um but I did think about, um, I, I was visiting with a friend recently who kind of has some extended family um, issues. And as we were talking about it, it just became so clear that, you know what, it works here too. You stay in your hula hoop and you just show, you show grace to the world, really. We, we, we can, 
we're not really called to tell non-believers or believers how to live. We just show grace mm-hmm. and and love as Christ loved, and and we, you know, like we keep our clean our side of the street clean and love others. And we have our boundaries and our firm beliefs and our absolute truths, but there is no way to enforce someone to believe an absolute truth. Right. It doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Exactly. But you can't force that upon them. And you can't, I had this big conversation with a group of friends the other night. Like if someone is outside of faith, even something that we would consider a sin, you can't dictate that to them. Like they have to, they have to one, choose to believe in God and that there is such a thing as sin. And then they have to submit to God as the authority and then they can look at their own sin and ask for forgiveness on it. But there's like so many layers there before you can just look at a non-believer and condemn them, you know? Right, right. Um, and I think that Christians, yeah, there's a lot of hoop jumping that's going on even in how we relate to, to non-believers and, and that. So that is really good to think about. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, everyone who's listening, like, doesn't the hoop thing kind of blow your mind? It kind of, kind of changes the game a little bit. And, uh, and, and the, I'm telling you, there have been so many times, even with my kids and how they relate to each other, I have one who is constantly concerned with how the other one behaves. Right. Hey, mom, hey, mom, he's not getting his shoes on. <laughs> he doesn't have his shoes on. And my, that one commenting doesn't have his shoes on yet. And I'm like, okay, do your hoop. Yeah. Yeah. We always have someone, we always have policemen in our family. Yeah. Yeah. You, you need to make sure you have obeyed and you have, you're all clear in your hoop. Okay. And he will do his hoop and I can manage him. Um, so I think it's just good. It's good words to use for something that can be frustrating, (laughs) be a frustrating thing. So thank you, Vila, for sharing with us today. Awesome. And if y'all have any extra questions for Vila about this concept or um, just about advice or anything in general, um, just put them in the comments for the blog post. Uh, and I'll have any show notes, books we mentioned um, on that blog post at godcentermom.com. But thank you, Vila. I hope you have a great rest of your day. Thanks, Heather. I enjoyed it. All right. We'll do it again. Okay. All right. Bye. Bye. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the God-Centered Mom podcast. If you're looking for more resources on how to replace me with he, go to GodCenteredMom.com. That's where you'll also find show notes with any links mentioned by our guest. I want you to really understand and know that God is just as present while you are washing dishes at your kitchen sink as while you are worshiping him in a church pew. He sees your service to your family and he is pleased. As it says in Zephaniah 3.17, The Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He takes great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love, and he will rejoice over you with singing. Have a great day.